And good Sunday evening. My name is Howie Silberger. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be with you tonight. And uh, we are live, which means that you could call in the number to call, one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 We got a whole lot of stuff to talk about. Sheldon Eric Freed will be joining me in just a minute or two or three or four or two. Or one, or, or, or sometime in the, in the next couple of seconds, Sheldon Eric Fried will be joining me, and of course, um, and of course, uh, uh, you're you're always welcome because because we like you, and, and we'd love to hear from you, and so you coming in and talking to us would, would would be would be a real treat for both me and for Sheldon, more for Sheldon than me though, because you know the elderly, they they need they need the company. It's COVID time, so so you gotta you gotta treat Sheldon nicely. He's old. All right, I'm Howie Silverger. This is the Howie Silverger Show. one 1292 is the number to call. one 1292 The show is brought to you by the letter Q. Because yeah, last week was brought to you by the letter M. So this week is brought to you by the letter Q. Um, and, um, and, and I wanted to ask you, I wanted to tell you, um, there, there's, a new, there's a new drug in town. A, a new vaccine in town. Uh, America is dumping their AstraZeneca vaccine on Canada. Uh, they don't want to give it to Americans because there's apparently a danger to taking that uh, that vaccine. Uh, at least some people are having brain hemorrhages, something we might want to be a little concerned about. So America decided they're not giving it to Americans, but uh, it's okay for the Canadians to have it. So we're getting uh, we're getting a whole lot of AstraZeneca vaccine here uh, very shortly. Uh, you know. Uh, I'm all for it. I mean, let's let's um, let's uh, let's vaccinate the entire population. I hope that people don't get sick. I hope people don't have brain hemorrhages. But I mean, it's a vaccine, I guess. They're telling us all the vaccines are safe, so I'm assuming it's safe. I don't know. Let's see what Sheldon has to say. Sheldon Eric Fried is my long-standing producer, and he's right here with me. Sheldon, do you do you, um, you, you've been keeping up with the story about AstraZeneca and the vaccine and the brain hemorrhages, haven't you? Yeah, as a matter of fact, they were saying that uh, they're they're dumping uh, so many vaccines onto Canada. I'm also wondering if uh, Americans are considering us guinea pigs. Yeah. Or if is this actually safe? Now, AstraZeneca got approval from Health Canada. So then we have to ask ourselves this, Howie. Yeah. Did Health Canada do its job? Like something is not right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was something that was made out of nothing or was a very few cases because you are going to have effects from different vaccines. But the thing is, if it's you're talking about brain hemorrhaging, if you're talking about blood uh, clotting, um, where, exactly what's going on here? And this is one thing that's really troubling to me. Well, I'm, I'm, and, not a, I'm not a virologist or a doctor. Uh, I can only tell you what I read and what I see in newspaper articles. Um, and uh, what I read and what I see is that uh, that there are cases, not very many, but there are cases of people getting uh, having extreme reactions to that particular vaccine. Mm-hmm. Now, I know people are, are rejecting it. They're 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 saying they don't want to um, they don't want to take it. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a smart idea. I'm not I'm not so sure. 
I don't know either because we have to really find out what's going on. Now, Health Canada. Well, well, this is the problem, it. Sheldon. The problem is that, that these vaccines were put out without the proper amount of testing that normally go through, that, that drugs normally go through before they're approved. They, they've mm-hmm. been approved very quickly because, I mean, we were in the middle of an epidemic. They wanted to end the epidemic. So, so these drugs were approved very quickly without the proper um, safety protocols put into place and the proper, uh, and the proper um, amount of time to study these vaccines. So, 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 so they're basically learning by trial. And, um, and, and this is what worries me a little bit about this. Uh, no, no, you know, I, I'm still going to take the vaccine, and I still encourage everybody to get vaccinated. Uh, I think this is the only way we're going to get back to some semblance of uh, normalcy. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, I encourage people to get vaccinated. I will get vaccinated myself, uh, hopefully soon. Um, but at the same time, I'm um, at the same time I'm I'm wondering. You know, people people are scared, and they read these articles about um, about this vaccine and about uh, about the problems that um, the problems that this vaccine is causing, and and there've been plenty of articles out there. And people are scared. And uh, I, I'm not so sure if they should be scared or if it's an overreaction. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, I guess the jury's out. But I've got, I've got to say this, that where the building that I live in, we all got our vaccines at the end of February. And I got the Pfizer vaccine. Now, other than a, a mild headache and soreness on the injection site, I was fine. Uh, it's now been over, it's like, it's, it's over a month that I've had it because we had it in this building. So we were all, everybody was eligible at the time. I, I never had any problems. Again, I had the Pfizer vaccine. My mother had the Pfizer vaccine. My cousin had the Pfizer vaccine. The people that I know in my family, my brother had it before I did, because he's a healthcare, uh, frontline worker. He had it. Again, he had a headache and he had soreness on the injection site. So there's nobody I know in my family, anybody that I know that have received the vaccine as far as Pfizer is concerned, has not developed any major side effects. Now, AstraZeneca, I don't know because, I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt because obviously they're going to say that, oh, there's nothing to worry about whatever coming out of them well, from naturally. the company. Naturally. But that's that's normal. But what I am saying is, what's the uh, percent, how many people got affected by this in terms of blood clotting, uh, brain hemorrhages or anything like that? And what was also, did they have other major reactions that possibly, if they would have had the other vaccines, would they have received those kind of reactions? So that, this is the thing too. Now, what they usually ask, they, what they ask me, they ask me if I'm on any blood clotting agents, um, and what type of medications that I'm on. So I told them the type of medications. I'm not on blood thinners. Right. Um, and everything was hunky-dory. I told them all the medications I took. I gave them a list because I had a medical alert thing. So I asked the nurse, I said, is this going to be a problem? She says, absolutely not. Do not worry about it. Uh, and the only thing I was allergic to is penicillin. So she says, and I said, is that going to be a problem? She says, absolutely not. And I had it and knock on wood. Everything's been fine. Now, I don't know when we're getting the second vaccine. I'm not sure yet. Probably we're going to get it sometime in May or June in this building where I'm living. And again, it will be the Pfizer vaccine because obviously you can't go from one vaccine to another because that would be obviously that would not be proper, smart to do that. So we have to take a look at the people that got these type 
of side effects, what was the underlying thing? Was it was it something other things that they were allergic to, or was it something in that specific well, you know, ingredients? We think we're in also the seeing vaccine? we're also seeing people getting sick from the Pfizer vaccine and from the Moderna vaccine too. Uh, so, yeah. so, so people are getting sick, um, but but people get sick. There's a certain percentage of people get sick from any vaccine. I mean, sure, some people know, have gotten sick from the flu shots. Yeah, this is not um, this is not really a. Um, a foolproof plan, right? Uh, the flu shot, uh, people get the flu from the flu shot. Uh, people people get sick from the COVID shot. I mean, it, it's not a foolproof plan. Vaccines vaccines work. They work to build up antibodies. They work to genetically change your system so that you could fight the vac- You could fight the, uh, the virus. But at the same time, I mean, it's still a foreign agent you're putting into your body and it's still, uh, it's still a... Um, it's still, it's still a chemical change or a biological change or a cellular change you're doing in your body. And... Um, and some people react differently to that. And Look, you I, take you take shots like the polio vaccine, which many people had years ago, and now it's uh, polio's erratic, practically, you know, finished right. as far as in the developing countries are concerned. But I think also I have to go by what the odds would be if I wouldn't get it, as opposed to receiving. Oh, you're it. much you're much safer getting the vaccine than you are not getting the vaccine. That's so that's why I went for the side of caution to get the vaccine as well as the people that I know in the in my family that elected to get the vaccine. There's nobody in my family that is, is elected not to receive the vaccine. And like I said, the uh, second I become eligible, I'm going to register and get the vaccine. I'm going to I'm going to make book an appointment yeah. and go and get it. Because yeah. I, I think that uh, being vaccinated against COVID uh, is the quickest way, the easiest way and the safest way to uh, to get our lives back on track. Yeah, I would say about 95 percent of the people in my building uh, elected to get the vaccine. There was 5% that that elected not to get the vaccine. But again, it's their choice. But the majority of this building, like again, a good 95% got the vaccine. And I've spoken to people in this building and nobody has claimed uh, any major, and I'm saying major side effects. So if anything, maybe one had a, an upset stomach, another one had headaches. And of course, everybody had one thing in common, soreness on the injection site but that's normal because you would yeah. get that in a flu shot you would get that anywhere so that i don't even call that a side effect so the my side effect was a mild headache that's it all right it's me. not too bad if that's the uh no. that's the most that's the most major yeah. thing that's going to happen And the next you. day i woke up i was fine i mean the arm was sore for a couple of days but big deal because i'm it had it's not I don't find it was more sore with this vaccine that I had with my flu shot or when I when I went away uh, last year, uh, when I had the hepatitis A uh, vaccine or my tetanus shot, whatever. It's about the same thing, a couple of days and, and the pain just goes away and that's it. Yeah, so I, so. I encourage everybody listening, everybody yeah. watching to uh, to get the shot. Don't, don't hesitate, go and get the shot. Uh, when you're mm. eligible, go and get it. Uh, you know, I... I, I I read a lot about these people who claim that, you know, the government's implanting uh, chips into our bodies to uh, track us yeah. and all this, all this other BS. And it, it's kind of infuriating a little bit. I mean, here are, here are, you know, seemingly normal people. And I, I'll use the term normal very loosely in these cases. Uh, here are seemingly normal people who are, um, who are discouraging other people from getting, from getting vaccinated, which may in turn put, you know, a lot of us into danger, into some kind of danger. Um, it's not right. There are people who can't get vaccinated for various reasons. And if the majority of us do get vaccinated, then the people who can't get vaccinated for whatever reason 
Uh, some people can't get vaccinated for health reasons. There's all sorts of reasons uh, that people can't get no. vaccinated. Um, if we do our part and we all get vaccinated, we're protecting those people. So yeah. I, I, um, you know, I don't get it. Uh, you know, people complain. Oh, they're planting chips into our body so they could track us. I mean, anybody who walks around with one of these things, a, a cell phone, anybody who walks around with one of these things has a chip implanted in their body and they're tracking you, right? Exactly. So Google exactly. sends me, Google, I have a Google phone here. Google sends me every single week, every single month. They send me a map of every location I visited in the city or anywhere. Well, you could, you could turn that off. But I mean, I'm just saying, they send me, a, yeah. <laughs> they send me yeah. a map and tell me how long I stayed at each location. Yeah, so, that's that's already freaky out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, oh, I turned that off a if, long time if, ago, so I don't get that. If but. you're worried about them tracking you, they're tracking you anyway. And if you turn it off, they're still tracking you. Don't think yeah. that just because you turned it off, they're not watching you. But uh, but no. I don't care. I mean, this is the trade-off for the convenience of having a phone on me. You so, know what? To me, as long as you don't do anything wrong, and you know you're 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 a good-natured person inside, you have nothing to worry about. It's the uh, way I look at it. Yeah, and uh, it's a trade-off, right? So. Yeah. You give up a little bit of your civil liberties in order to have the convenience of having a phone on you. Yeah. Um, I don't have to worry about looking for quarters anymore. So, I mean, I'm good, right? But, um, but at the same time, uh, we, we gave up our civil liberties and, uh, and, and the government of, uh, of, of at least Quebec, where, where, where we're based here, uh, they, they've decided to, to trample all over our civil liberties. So here we are. We're in a situation where we have a, a curfew. It's the only curfew in, uh, in the world, pretty much. Uh, a COVID curfew. We have a um, we have a, we, we we have we have these crazy limitations on how many people we could see and how many people could come to your house. And so we've uh, we've really um, we've really voluntarily given up our civil liberties in the, in the name of uh, in the name of being being uh, being on safe in the name of being safe from COVID. But have we really been safe from COVID? Has COVID slowed down because uh, because you haven't seen your kids in the last year? Has, no. Has COVID stopped because because uh, you know John hasn't worked in, uh, in 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 twelve thirteen months? Has COVID stopped because you know three quarters of my of my salary, three quarters of my jobs have disappeared because everything's closed? I mean, I don't think COVID stopped. I mean, COVID's still going strong. Uh, a year later, and we we still you know COVID's still around. So these lockdowns don't really do anything. They don't really help. And at the same time, they hurt a lot of people. So this is this is really where my problem lies. You know, we're living in a society where where we've given up our civil liberties, and then the government keeps trampling upon our civil liberties more and more and more and more. So now we're coming up to holidays. We're coming up to Passover. We're coming up to Ramadan. We're coming up to Easter. They're all within a week of each other in the coming in the coming couple of weeks. And the uh, government here has announced that. Uh, that that you can't gather, you can't meet, and you can't uh, you can't be with your family during these holidays, and that they're going to go around and they're going to patrol the neighborhoods to make sure, looking through your windows, to make sure that you're not with your family, and if you are, they're going to knock on your door and fine you for having people in your house. You know, once we get to that point, uh, what's the difference between that and a police state? Mm-hmm. I mean, where where, where have we? Wh- what is the differentiation between that and a police state? Where, where they're looking through my windows. They're, they're peering into my house to see if I have any guests in my house. That, that I don't even have freedom. I don't even have liberty in my own building. The building that I own. Tell me it makes any sense. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense of me at all. And the thing is, I can't even say 
there's no question that it's not because of the curfew that cases have been going down. The best way for cases to go down is number one, for people to urge people to get the vaccine, number one, and number two, that is if the people are able to get the vaccine and they don't have any major side effects. Like if they're able to get the vaccine, please do. Number two, it's all about behavior. If you're gonna have 20, 30, 40 people and are not, you know, and not having the social distancing right now, because once we get in the majority, Howie, once we get the 70, 80, 90% immunized against the virus, then we're fine because then we could have the herd, Im herd immunity. Herd immunity is only effective once the majority gets vaccinated. You can't have herd immunity the way this government was going to do before by putting everybody in one place and then uh, and then with the hope that they would be immune, that they will build up an immunity if they catch it. That doesn't work. But once the majority gets vaccinated, that's a different story. Then the people that get vaccinated as long as they still keep their safety protocols in check, then that's a different story already. Already there was cases of local schools shutting down and even in the Western part of the city of Montreal, now the government is urging parents and students and I believe teachers now are eligible, I believe. Only in certain schools. Yeah, certain schools yeah. within a certain perimeter are now able to get the vaccine. So I urge those schools in that particular area to urge everyone to get the vaccine because it's a bad area in terms of the amount of COVID and also in the Côte-Saint-Luc-Cotinège area of Montreal, it's really very, very bad areas and, and uh, parts of NDG also are very bad areas where people have been coming across a lot with the virus. And this is what we really have to, we have to be really, really careful here. So that's what that's the best way, not the curfew. I think not the, the curfew. I think the curfew should be canceled. I don't think I never believed in the curfew. curfew should have been on in the first place. I agree. Because I also think because you and I have also we've talked about it, we agreed on it, that a curfew wasn't going to do anything. Because if you have it, what's the difference if you have to come back at home at night, but if you're, it's okay to be out during the day and you could, you can infect somebody. So, so I could what's have, the difference? I could have dinner with you at, at six o'clock at night and then be home for eight o'clock at night and still give you COVID at six. COVID doesn't yeah. know what time it is. COVID doesn't Exactly. Care. So then why are we the only province in Canada? And the only, and uh, I, and the only what, province, what are the only, one of the only places in North America, in the world, yeah. really. I think France instituted one also. No, I mean, currently we're the only, I think we're the only place in the world that still has one. Yeah, yeah, currently, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's not, it's it's all about the behavior, but the thing is also the, um, if you compare us to the province of Ontario, our next door neighbors for people that are not in Canada, Ontario has 1,800 cases. Yeah, it's a lot. So they, it's almost three times of what Quebec has. And Ontario's talking and about they're a, only getting vaccinated 75 and over. And Ontario's talking about a three-week lockdown now, a full lockdown for three weeks. Well, that's what that's what happened. No, yeah, but, but, but you see, you have to understand, Shelton, and and then you know, it took me a while to get it, uh, but I finally understood that the lockdowns aren't about you and me. They're not about our health. They don't care about me or you or anybody really. What they care about is 
um, is saving their underfunded medical system. So they have hospitals and they have uh, they have medical clinics that are have been underfunded for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when mm-hmm. they built the casino, I don't know if you remember, Sheldon, when they built the casino back in the early 90s, uh, they said that they, were, they, they anticipated uh, the city of Montreal built the casino, then they gave it to city uh, to, to the province of Quebec in exchange for the Blue Bonnets uh, race course. So, so it was a big it was a big exchange there. Yeah, and and the and the, and the province of Quebec said at the time that the billions of dollars that they were going to raise in the casino was going to go to two things. It was going to go fund the medical system, you know, refund the hospitals and and properly fund the hospitals, and it was going to fix the roads. That those were the two things they promised at the time. Our hospitals are still underfunded, and our roads still are are, are crazily bad. So I mean, mm-hmm. that money never went there. Um, okay, fine. The government lied to us. It happens. Governments lie. We know that. There's no secret that governments lie. Uh, but no, here, do they really? Uh, I mean, never I thought in a million years. Oh uh, I will God, be. I will be. I'll, I'll be almost 100 percent honest with you. Almost 100 percent because it's never 100 percent. Um, the uh, I haven't uh, I haven't met an honest politician yet. I met one honest politician, Howie Silberger, when he when when he I was, was running a, for the Côte local election. I wasn't a politician. I was a hack. There were, there was no no, no honest no honest politicians out there. I was too honest to be a politician. That was the problem. And um, so <laughs> I um so I haven't met an honest politician. I mean, there's no real politicians out there. I'm not talking about guys like Dino Mazzoni or talking guys like uh, Mitchell Brownstein. I'm not talking about these guys, right? Because these guys aren't really politicians. They're people who are municipally uh, active, and they they they're politicians municipally, but they're not real. They're not real hardcore politicians, if you know what I mean. There's there's mm-hmm. a difference between, let's say, a municipal politician, a guy running for mayor, a guy running for city councilor, and there's a difference between a guy running for provincial politics or federal politics. It's completely mm-hmm. different. It's a completely different level of politics and. Uh, and you can't be honest and run for federal or, or, or provincial politics. You have to be a liar. No, for sure. Yeah. And so, um, so, so the government lied about that, and they underfunded the uh, the hospital system for years and years and years and years, decades. And we are bearing the fruits of that underfunding. That's what that's where we're at now. Right now, we are we are experiencing the fruits of the underfunding. So, so when they say that um, that. You have to be locked down, and that we don't want we don't want you hanging out with people. You know, we want to curb the um, what was it? Curb the uh, I don't remember what the term was there. Remember, it was supposed to be five days. We're going to curb the. What was I it? I don't know. With the virus, we're gonna we're gonna flatten the curve. That's what it was. Flatten, flatten the, the curve. curve. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, flatten the curve. It's going to take five days or two weeks. We're going to flatten the curve. That was a year ago. Um, when they did that, they were talking about flattening the curve so that they wouldn't overwhelm the hospital system. They didn't care that hundreds, hundreds, of, tens, of, tens of thousands of people were dying. That didn't bother them. It was how many people are in ICU and how many people are going to the hospital and how many doctors do we need and how many doctors do we have and, and can the hospital system handle it. So all they cared about was the hospital system and the fact that a major pan- epidemic like this, a major problem like this, will actually expose the... Um, the crookedness of the government and how the government didn't fund the hospital system to start with. So people start asking questions about why the healthcare system can't handle uh, 200 patients or 300 patients with COVID. Why can't we handle that? We should be able to handle that. 50 hospitals, you should be able to handle 200 patients. 
but they can't handle 200 patients. Why can't they handle 200 patients? Nobody's asking that question because the government scared the hell out of everybody. And now everybody's asking questions about the efficacy of the, of the vaccines. Uh, will, I get, um, will I get a headache or will I get a brain hemorrhage if I take a vaccine? And nobody's looking at the government and saying, hey, buddies, um, in, in all these years, why are these hospitals so underfunded? Why are, why are they so understaffed? Why is it that uh, they can't keep up with the, with the demand? I mean, there's no reason why they can't keep up with the demand, but, but they're not. Why? But that question can't be asked because the second you ask that question, they put you into lockdown and you're, and you're stuck in your house for a month. Well, any social programs, the governments, all governments have been completely guilty with education yeah. and healthcare have been, they've been guilty for years. It, this is nothing new with this government and it's been like that through previous governments for as long as you and I could probably could, could remember that they've always took uh, education and healthcare have always taken a back seat for many, 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 many years. At one point, Quebec was at the forefront for its Medicare system. And then once they started going, oh, we're spending too much money, and then they started going down, and then it was starting to get longer and longer to be seen by a surgeon, to be seen by a doctor, and then people are ha some people are having trouble getting a doctor, so they have to go to a clinic. And and the, and also because clinics are not open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, where do people go when they're not feeling well? They go to the emergency. Right. So this is nothing new, uh, and I don't see any future government going to do anything to to um, to turn this around. Look, well, they they looked at teachers, and they they not only was this the thing with the healthcare system. They put the teachers, the students, the support, and administrative of schools and school boards right in the lines then. They, they put everybody hit under the bus. And, and they're trying to distract the population by, by bringing up language problems again. So they're, they're trying to distract the population from noticing that, that uh, their woefully underfunded healthcare system isn't working by, by bringing up these language idiot, idiot, idiotic language issues again and again and again. So, and even on that, when they bring the the language thing, they gave a five million dollar budget increase to the OQLF and the SSJB. Yeah, where that five million dollars could have easily gone for all social programs, including some for Medicare, some for education, our roads, which affect everybody. And you know, they got to stop with this crap language thing because I I basically just have had it when I take a look at people that are in the teaching profession like you my significant other, the roads we travel on, whether or not it's by bus or by car, when you see stuff like Cote St. Luke Road that looks almost like a war zone. I was on Linton the other day. If you've ever been in Linton, Linton is like, it, it's like the roads of Afghanistan are better than the roads, than that road. Yeah. Okay. That's what, the, and that, that benefits everyone. Healthcare benefits everyone. Education benefits everyone the heck with the damn language it's enough and they got to stop and you know what people aren't stupid i've seen comments on facebook and i've even posted many times myself instead of the darn language thing get rid of the language thing use that money the french language was never never in doubt in this province it's never been a, a situation like that the province is 90 85 to 90 percent french they're going after montreal which montreal did not elect the cac government they hate montreal with a passion i'm even surprised you're giving a 25 million dollar 
um, payment to revitalize the downtown core of the city of Montreal. I'm surprised on that one. And uh, don't kid yourself. People are going to re remember this when it comes to the city election, when it comes to the provincial election, and soon will become on the federal election. They're not going to forget the way people were screwed from their politicians this year. Look, um, I spoke to a uh, Vietnamese friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about language. And uh, language comes up a lot when you're talking in Quebec to people. And uh, the topic comes up a lot. And I was talking to this Vietnamese friend of mine. And we were talking about language. And he was telling me that the Vietnamese language is very important to him and his culture. And so his children, he teaches his children the language because it's important for him and his wife and for their children to have the heritage of where they came from and the language of where they came from. And I said, how fluent are your children? His children are teenagers now. They're young teenagers, uh, 13, 14. I said, how fluent are your children in Vietnamese? He says, they speak Vietnamese as well as they speak English or French because we taught them and it was important for us to teach them so they knew what our heritage was. And I, I, I was thinking about that. No one had to legislate Vietnamese for him. Nobody had to force it down his throat. Nobody had to uh, had to measure the, the, the signage in his house to see if the letters were double the size or triple the size of, of the Vietnamese letter. Nobody said put Vietnamese over another language. And his children didn't suffer learning the other languages while they were learning Vietnamese. They ended up learning all three languages and it became trilingual which gives them a much better um, a much better chance to find a job, a worldwide global job, because they speak three languages. It gives them an edge over somebody else who only speaks one language or two languages. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it, I'm a little younger than you are. I didn't live through that whole uh, 19... Uh, well, I was alive, but I, I really wasn't cognizant of what was going on uh, during the first referendum in the 1980s, 1979, 1980. I, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of what was going on at the time. I was alive, but I wasn't aware of what was going on. I was a little young. Um, and... Um, but, but looking back and thinking about it, I mean, if, if French was so important to the French people living in Quebec, well, why didn't they just treat it like the Vietnamese guy treated Viet, Vietnamese and, and just teach it to their children, saying, this is our heritage, we're teaching you our, 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 our ancestral language, and you should know this, and, 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 and we should be able to, you know, we should be able to use this language. It should be a living language. It shouldn't be a dead language. It should be a living language. I mean, Jews teach their kids Hebrew. Uh, Hasidim teach their kids Yiddish because this is the language of the people. So, mm -hmm. so, so it's important to them that their children have their language. So they teach it. Doesn't stop the children from learning French or English or any other language that they're learning. It just adds to their repertoire of of, of things they could say. And so the, the uh, idea is to encourage, not to force something down our throat. To I, encourage. I know I understand the history between the uh, France and Britain, and the and and the little bit of uh, animosity between the English and the French when it comes to uh, when it comes to the wars of, that happened two hundred years ago here in uh, yeah. here in Quebec. But but for gosh sakes, we're two hundred years later. Get over it. Well, the thing is, too, the younger generation, too, the young kids that are being brought up now are speaking at least two or three languages. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, when I went to elementary school at the time, it was before French immersion. And uh, it only took place like once I started going into seventh grade eight, but at that time I went into a private school. But at that time was not available. Royal Vale at the time was only starting to get into a French immersion 
program, but it was already up to grade seven and I've already passed grade seven. Right. And I already went from uh, a public school to a private school. And yes, I learned, I, they offered French course as part of the curriculum, of course, because they were still under the minister of education. Plus they also taught us Spanish, Spanish. So we had the extra advantage of learning an extra language. Now I lost it because I haven't spoken Spanish in years. Right. But the thing was, at least that was available, and at least, at least it was um, it was part of the curriculum. But we didn't. But the thing is, the way the government is doing it, it's they're going into businesses and they're saying, "Oh no, this has to be a smaller size." What is this about size? I mean, you, you know, it's when they superiority, right? Yeah. So, so, the, the, so, so uh, this the is, king, the king sits on a throne. Why does he sit on a throne? The throne is on a on a platform. The king sits on the throne on a platform. Why does the yeah. king sit on the throne on a platform? Because he has to be above his subjects, right? So the platform lifts him above the subjects, and the throne is huge, and it lifts him above the subjects. So he's looking down on his people. And you take so, a look at Montreal, where up to 1975-76 was a very, a very progressive, very, very big popular city. And businesses were, you know, they would put up the awnings in English and French. There was not a problem. We had Expo 67. There was not a problem. Everybody came from all over the world, spoke French, English, whatever the case is, went into all over the city. Everything was, it was known, the public transportation was known as the MUCTC, Montreal Urban Community Transport Commission, or STCUM, Society Transport Community. Right. Okay, I think uh, Sheldon was marked the red star. Sheldon's freezing up. Nope. Sheldon, you're freezing up. Um, I don't know why you're freezing up. Sheldon, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. All right, so uh, you're freezing up a little bit. I have no idea I'm what's here. going on. All right, so Sheldon's still there. And so are you. You're freezing up uh, too. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I'm still. All right, here. so what were you saying? The uh, SCCUM, yeah. I, uh, the bus stops were marked. Right, shall, that stop it was we... a yellow circular bus stop. Yeah, it was. It was, um, and uh, like everything, everything was fluently, but everything was fluently bilingual. You went on the bus. Uh, it would. It, it would. You would see the message mark "safe drive." All right, I think... Um, Please do not talk to me. They would have it in English and French. I think we're having a problem with the... Uh, Once we're restaurant, you that? would Sheldon, see the audience in both Sheldon, languages. Sheldon? What is the... Sheldon? Hold on a second. We're going to... Um, this garbage. We're going to go... At all the big major, they had Sun Life here. Sheldon, Sheldon, we're going to have to go to break. Uh, we're having a problem with the audio. We're going to go to break and we'll come back. Uh, we're going to try to fix this. We'll come back in a couple of seconds. All right, I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to the Howie Silberger Show. I hope that we uh, we figured out this problem. Uh, it, it's technology, live uh, live broadcasting. Sometimes you have these technological problems. So I hope we figured out the problem. Sheldon Eric Fried is still here. Uh, Sheldon, yes, Howie. Oh, look now, now, now you're not uh, you're not you're not uh, freezing up on us. Technology is good only when it works. Everybody, yeah, that's what happens. I mean, sometimes you know you're doing something live, and this is what happens. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm this glad is what we're you back. Call live radio in color 
Uh, Sheldon, you were uh, you were talking about um, you know you you were um, when when you were younger, much younger than you are today. Uh, Montreal was uh, bilingual, was bilingual, but was it really yeah. bilingual, or was it um, or was it actually you know unilingual English? Just the World's Fair, but signs on the highways, uh, everything was was there was never a problem. Businesses would have equal letters of. were complete uh, complete equal there was no size differentiation from one language to the other uh, again um, before we we had a uh, technical issues again I was reiterating to the fact that our public transportation system used to be known as the Montreal urban community transportation commission right. uh, or ST STCUM Wow, we're still having this problem. To it's amazing. We're still having this problem, Sheldon. I don't know what's going on. There was never, never, never an issue. And I remember, uh, you know, walking around to the different areas of Montreal, the downtown portion. There was never a problem. Then the FLQ came in. The Federation Liberal group of a, of a few people. They kidnapped a British trade commissioner who most recently died. He lived up to 95 or 96 years old. The, the Quebec Minister of Labour, Pierre Laporte, there's actually okay. a bridge named after him in Quebec City. Um, so that was the start. And then uh, Premier Robert Barassa, a liberal, Quebec Liberal Party leader, decided well, French seem to be in decline, and we need to put a stop to this. And he introduced a bill called Bill 22. And, uh, and then you had Louise Baudouin, Camille Laurent, René Levesque, and you had every Pauline Marois, and you had a whole bunch of the government, even including the liberal government, has not decided to respect the English and has decided that they want to further erode the English. Now, considering of almost a quarter of a million but decided to move to other parts of Canada and the United States, they said enough is enough. I'm not inspectors to come in and tell us what we can do or cannot do as long as we are conducting our business properly ethically fully respected taxes that's the most important thing not because uh this thing with the language thing so do you think language you were was, saying? do you think language was actually an issue or do you think that it was uh, it was just uh, it was just a paragraph it was just politics It's politics because you know what French and English here always got along and I don't it, know they, they were blowing they just they blowing decided up, I'm sorry they were blowing up uh, mailboxes in the 1970s that's not getting along Sheldon Well that was the, again that was part of the splinter group of the FLQ but you you, you don't see this now. You don't see mailboxes being blown 
blown up. You don't see English businesses being blown up. But you know, this is a go this government, the CAC, the Coalition Avenir de Quebec (CAQ). They said that there's no there's there's no such thing as racism. Well, you 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 talk about that is the biggest bunch of bull I've ever seen because number one, you can't even wear a kippa teaching, you can't wear a religious symbol, you can't wear if you wanted to wear a Catholic cross, if you wanted to wear any kind of a, a hijab, you cannot wear it. That's number one. Number two, you you cannot you uh, the language situation is that English has to be a certain percentage less um, less uh, noticeable than the than the French. So the, again, it's the size. So you talk about religious racism on the count of... Quebec government. So they're... Uh, and they say there's no racism in this country. Why don't you take a look, Mr. Legault and other... Uh, fellow politicians, why don't you look past the end of your crooked nose and see exactly what you were doing to the to the population who voted you in? And you know what? This is why Montreal didn't vote you in because Montrealers are not stupid. They knew that you were going to do this. You, they knew they were going to disqualify. They were going to they were going to put the thing with with school boards to completely dissolve the school boards and completely put the educational system in a mess. So you know what? Every, the people in Montreal knew. The best thing, because the rest of Quebec, there's no problem with the French. You go anywhere in Quebec City, yes, the hotels would speak English because you get a lot of English tourism that come, right. comes into the provincial capital. But the average person on the street, they don't speak. You don't hear an Eng English spoken on the streets of Quebec City because I've been there uh, several times. I've been to Three Rivers. I've been to Drummondville. I've been to St. Hyacinth. I, I've been to Sherbrooke, Quebec. They hardly speak they hardly speak English there. So you know what? They have a thing against Montreal. All these provincial governments have this thing against Montreal. Why? Because Montreal is supposed to be a cosmopolitan metropolis. It's supposed to be a, a city of diverse linguistic backgrounds. All you need to do is go in the Cote d'Ange area and see how many different people from different backgrounds there are. That's how could the problem. It be, how they could it be can't a metropolis? stomach it, they can't swallow it. How could it be a metropolis, a cosmopolitan metropolis, when um, when, when you're discriminated against uh, different people? So you discriminate against English, you discriminate I said against that's Muslims. What the, the, that's what the... How, how could it be a metropolis? How, how could that's you what be the mayor said. Yeah, but that's what that the work? mayors are saying. That's not what I'm saying. Because if it was cosmopolitan, they would let us be cosmopolitan. Right. And they're not letting us be cosmopolitan. You know, but but I know, yeah, you, no, you and I agree that it's, it's the mayors have always said that Montreal is a cosmopolitan, diverse metropolis. It might be diverse because people are coming from different backgrounds, yes, but people, but the city is not cosmopolitan because the government does not allow this city to become cosmopolitan. And this is the economic engine of the entire province of Quebec. And this is the way they're treating the economic well, engine. Yeah, I think Quebec, the best used thing to be, is for Montreal to totally partition. Well, Montreal used to be the economic uh, they should, engine of the entire country of Canada. Exactly. And now they're not. Why? Why is, why is Toronto the largest city in Canada? Why? Because people were fed up and they said, you know what, is enough is enough. You stop telling me what I can and cannot do. And this is why this government is a police state, because 
when this thing with COVID first came out, and I live in a predominantly English building, 95% are, are either English or Russian or Eastern European. Okay, very few are French. And I could tell you the first wave, when the first wave of the pandemic came, all we saw were French circulars coming into our mailbox. The recycling bin next to the mailbox in our building, Howie, was so overflowed, they, had to, they needed two or three or four recyclable boxes and even then were full because people were fed up because they said, you want English, go on the website. There's a lot of people that don't know how to navigate on the internet. Yes, you and I do. And, you, and, and finally, there was a petition out. Uh, I signed the petition eventually because there were so many signatures, we actually got something in English. Why couldn't they, they send it in both official languages? Why did they have to waste money on French, then waste money on English? If they would have sent it bilingual, at least in the bilingual areas of Montreal, there wouldn't have been a problem. But why couldn't they so send it So look how much extra money they why wasted. Couldn't, why couldn't they send it bilingual to everyone? Exactly. But I'm saying... I mean, whoever wants to read the French part, so reads money. the French look part. They, whoever wants to read the English part, reads the English part. What's the problem? Exactly. So the thing is, look, look, what they, look what they spent in printing. Look what they spent on distributions. Look what they spent on postage. Yeah. I mean, it was a... I mean, look at the, look at the money being totally wasted. And then they give the OQLF a $5 million budget where it goes to healthcare and education. I don't have the money. I don't have the money. Well, we have to go to the cost of living or whatever. I bet you the education system and I bet you the healthcare system does not get a $5 million budget increase. So the one neighborhood in uh, in Quebec has been singled out as the highest rate of COVID infections in, in the province. And that neighborhood is Cote St. Luke. Um, now, uh, just the other day, the mayor of Cote St. Luke cryptically blamed the um, blamed it on on religious Sephardic Jews, religious Jews from uh, Morocco and uh, and Spain, and um, and and it was kind of backed up by Rabbi Ruben Pupko uh, of uh, of the Beth Israel Beth Aaron congregation in Cote St. Luke and uh, and of um, uh, of Canadian Institute for Jewish Affairs. He he also kind of pointed fingers at Chabad. And the um, and the uh, the Sephardic Jews. Now, now of course, Sija quickly stepped back. Uh, they 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 dialed back on that, and Popko issued a half apology, saying that's not really what he meant, and he was misquoted, or he was he was accurately quoted, but it was out of context quoted. I mean, there were there were two or three different versions of of uh, of corrections that came out over the last couple of days. Now, uh, I had a problem right at the beginning of this pandemic. When the Gazette was was finger pointing at Chabad and at different synagogues, saying you had a wedding, therefore you're you're responsible for the spread. Uh, I, I had a problem with um, I had a problem at the beginning of the pandemic where the mayor Cote Saint Luke uh, was pointing fingers at different synagogues and different uh, religious groups and saying that it was their fault that uh, that that COVID was spreading in the in, in their city uh, and ignoring totally ignoring the fact that. Um, the fact that um, snowbirds had come back from Florida and gone about their everyday life as if nothing had happened, right? So, um, uh, this this political scapegoating of religious sects always seems to me to be to be um, to be to be a pathetic attempt to sow hatred amongst the Jewish community to to kind of break to kind of break the Jewish community to kind of divide them. Between secular and orthodox, 
The secular ones are the ones who are trying to be safe. We just want to be safe. We, we're going to take the vaccine. We're going to wear a mask. We're going to be safe. And look at those Orthodox people. They're walking around without masks. They don't care about COVID. They're causing the spread of COVID. And it just started right at the beginning last year, and this has continued straight through the entire thing. And this kind of division is never good for a community. It's never good for a religious community. It's never good for any community. And it's 100% wrong. It's not, it's not accurate. It's wrong. I think, um, I, you know, Popko said that uh, he was misquoted. The reporter was trying to get him to say to do stuff like that. Um, I don't care. He's, he's, a seasoned, he's a seasoned guy who's spoken in front of reporters for the last 35 years. I think he knew what he was saying when he said it. And he was trying to send a message to different segments of the Jewish community. Um, pointing fingers, is that helpful at all, Sheldon? No. I think also, you know what, I, it, it also, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Howie, it depends no matter where you're from, no matter what religion, no matter where you come from, it's all about behavior. And that's what it is. Now, to start fingering or start uh, putting uh, system, like putting different groups in because they are the way they are, is wrong. Because again, it's always a case of no matter what group or no matter what religion, it's always a case of a few rotten apples. That does not mean every single Hasidic was doing that. Does not mean every single Greek or Italian or or Arabic or you know whatever in terms of families that would get together. Uh, it, again, to single-handedly label people and generalizing like that is a very dangerous, it's, it's, we're going through a very slippery slope. And we, we have to stop that now because it's, it's, my message would be not to a particular religion, not to a particular ethnic group, whatever. It's about behavior. It's about knowing that, it's it's about knowing your safety protocols. That's what it's all about. Because you could have, let's say, a hundred. You could have like dozens of dozens of Hasidic people that will completely obey the law, and then you have one group of Hasidic people, one group, and then because of that group that defies the law, the entire the entire the entire Hasidic community gets blamed for it. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And I've always, I've always been very staunch about it because it's not like you, because it, it's like saying you see a black person on the street. Okay. The chances are that person that you see on the street has never committed a crime. Yet you see black people commit a crime. So right away you associate that person with, with the, the black person that committed a crime or a white person that committed a crime or whoever committed the crime. So right away, it's systematic, and right away, just because this person is this religion or that religion or this color or that color, right away they get blamed and they're thrown into the same pot, and that is wrong. And we have to we have to stop. And all this thing with being politically correct and all this, this all thing has to stop. This is going, we're carrying it way, way, way too far. Well, this is even uh, this is beyond politically correct. If they were politically correct, they wouldn't be pointing fingers at uh, minority groups. If they were politically correct, they wouldn't be doing that. But yeah, I mean, but but the political correctness only works one way. Yeah, but I'm saying like, yeah. So political correctness only works one way. Look, you know, um, they said that uh, oh, it's too dangerous to read Dr. Seuss books because there's a little caricature of a Chinese guy carrying chopsticks, 
and that's uh, that's racist. So we so we we're not going to publish these Dr. Seuss books <laughs> anymore. And then uh, then they say that, um, and then they say that uh, you know, oh my, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, look at uh, lo- look at this, and we'll cancel this, and look at that, we'll cancel that. And then if you watch the Grammy Awards, you have half naked ladies squirming on top of each other while singing about their hot, yeah. wet genitalia, and, and that's okay. So I mean, who are we fooling here? Who who's the fool? And the thing is, what's gonna what what's gonna happen to also the comedy scene? Because that's what comedy is about, well, making we have to, fun of different people. Well, I guess we have to see what happens with that uh, lawsuit in these, at the Supreme Court, right? Yeah. I mean, this is another thing. This is what gets me worried. Like, this is what gets me all worried. What about freedom of expression? You're not right away because of this. You're right away saying, you know, you're putting, you're, you're, you're completely stepping all over that person. Comedy... When we like, if you take a look at how we we go to the nasty show, we go to the nasty show every year, part of Just for Laughs. Now we know that a lot of things may not be funny, and I know some of these com- some com- some of these comedians could be really over the line. But also, I look at it as being it's supposedly a comedy. It's their freedom to express, and it's they, they don't call it the nasty show for nothing. If they were calling it an angel show, if they were calling it a um, you know, uh, you know the most innocent show in the world, and this that that would be a different story. But it's called nasty show for a reason, and you and I knew it when we go down. We expect it, and uh, I tell we you, expect and, this. And I, I have to tell the audience because uh, it's it's true. When we leave the nasty nasty show, ninety nine percent of the time I tell Sheldon I didn't find that show funny at all. I mean, yeah, for the last yeah, you you have yeah. Uh, for the last uh, at least like last like that's the thing. Five years, I've told Sheldon, no, it's not funny. It wasn't funny. Maybe one or two comedians yeah. had one funny joke, but the show itself wasn't funny. They're just being nasty for the sake of being nasty. It's just being dirty and, and yeah, vulgar exactly. for the sake of being dirty and vulgar. There's no com- comedy behind it. You know, um, I've watched a lot of comedy over the years. I've I've been covering the Just for Last Festival for what, over a decade, maybe maybe fifteen years, and before that, I was always a comedy fan. I always watched stand up comedy. Um, and there were times where I saw comedians who, okay, they got a little blue or they got a little, uh, they got a little raunchy, but it was all with a point of being raunchy. It was, it was, to, it was to make the comedic point. So sometimes they'd say something a little mm-hmm. off color just to, just to drive it home, to drive the, drive the punchline home. Uh, I find, I find in the yeah. last 15 years, at least 15 years, that comedy has gone downhill. Um, now people are, you know, they get up and they say uh, the name of genitalia just to get a laugh, right? Uh, sex jokes just for just for a quick laugh. It's not that they're funny; it's just that you know that's a good way to get a quick laugh, right? And so yeah. you watch; it's a formula that they're using now. And uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Sheldon, but the comedians who do raunchy jokes they use a formula. They'll come on and they'll say, oh. Look, uh, hi. Well, you know, welcome to the program. It's great to be in whatever city I'm in today. I don't even know what city I'm in because I've been in 15 cities the last seven years for the last seven days. So I'm not even sure what city I'm in. But whatever city it is, it's mm-hmm. great to be here. Uh, go Cubs or go whatever the city team is, right? And then, um, mm-hmm. and then they'll move on and they'll say, you know, uh, the other day I uh, I saw my girlfriend. Uh, I I saw my girlfriend, and then they get into some raunchy joke about their girlfriend. And it's always the same formula. So if it's not their girlfriend, it's their mother. If it's not their mother, it's their sister. If it's not their sister, it's some random lady in the in the supermarket. But it's always the same thing. Yeah. 
I saw her. You could, you could, I saw you her. could almost size this. Yeah. I saw her. She did this setup. You could see, see the setup coming. The yeah. setup is always the same and it's always in the same order. So you go, you watch one, you've seen them all. Uh, it's always the same order and it's always the same thing. And then the next joke after that will be a joke about, about the comedian's genitalia, whether they're a man or a woman. There'll be some joke about their sex life and their genitalia. And then it'll move on to a joke about their boyfriend or girlfriend or, or a dog or a cat or something. And then um, and, and that's, that's really the order it goes in. And that's always the order it goes in. And, um, and you know, you look at that and uh, Brian just, uh, just texted. He says, he says, look, since Bobby Slayton left, it's not been the same. And he's probably right. Um, Bobby oh, Slayton. Oh, he's 100% right because Bobby Slayton did had not a really follow good that formula. Was more... Yeah, yeah. He was just a funny man. Bobby was, Slayton, and I agree with you, Brian. Thank you for texting in. Yeah, he had his own shtick, but he was really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had Bobby Slayton on the show uh, five years, six years in a row. Uh, and then we used to meet him at the bar. We used to sit with him at the bar. And, oh, uh, God. He was funny at the bar. I remember. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Bobby was always funny. Bobby loved me. He was, he was funny. And uh, we, we, we used to talk all the time, and he was really funny. And the last year he was here, um, I had him on the show, and, um, and, and he wasn't the same. His wife was really sick, and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't really into it. And I had him on the show, and he was talking about this pink, pink cardigan that he had. And he was going on and on about this pink cardigan. And, um, and I'm listening to that, and it really wasn't funny. It was just weird, right? It was like, what, what the hell is he talking about? And he kept telling me about this pink cardigan, and he wore a pink cardigan, and he did a show. He was wearing a pink cardigan, and you know he's coming to Montreal. He's bringing his pink cardigan with him. He went on and on about this pink cardigan, and I'm like, okay, where's he going with this? Because Bobby always had a, like a, a really funny punchline. He'd he'd do a long setup, and then boom, he'd hit you with something, and he never hit me with anything. And I was like, that's so strange. Hmm. And so I finished the interview with him, and uh, he hung up, and um, I went to the bar the next night, and I ran to him at the bar, and I said, hey, Bobby, I'm I'm just curious about that um, about that setup. Uh, you set up a joke. I mean, you know, we talked about this pink cardigan for five minutes, six minutes, and then you never went anywhere with it. I was just wondering what the hell's going on, right? And he looked at me. He says, "Let's sit down." And we sat down. And he looked me in the face and he says to me, "This is the last year I'm going to be at the Just for Last Festival." And I said to him, "Why?" Hmm. And he says, "And he says." Well, I'm retiring. He says, my wife is dying. She has cancer. She's dying. He says, and when she dies, and I know it's going to be in the next couple of months, he says, I'm not going to have the heart to go out and perform anymore. So once she goes, I'm, I'm done. And, uh, hmm. and I said, okay, so what about the pink cardigan? My wife always wears a pink cardigan, was what he told me. And I thought that was, hmm. I thought, okay, now I understood why he was going on and on about this, this sweater. I had no idea what he was talking about. It made sense why he was going on and on about the sweater. But at the same time, it was kind of sad because I knew an era was ending. This was the end of, a, this was the end of an era. Bobby Slayton not coming to the Just for Last Festival or not performing anymore was the end of a certain kind of comedy. It wasn't going to happen again. And, and that's what... You know, it's he hosted the uh, Nasty Show for how many years? I don't know, 12. Ever since it came, in, it, ever yeah. since it came, out, it came on, yeah, he I was think. Yeah, eh? he was the first host and he left for two years and he came back and he was the host forever. He was yeah. a, a good man. Bobby Slayton was a really, really nice man. He was a very nice man. He hey, came he on is. also He's for the alive. CJD Tickle Peak Breakfast. He's still yeah. alive. He's still a nice guy, but uh, I haven't spoken to him in years. But uh, he, he, he's, he was always a gentleman. Yeah. 
I asked yeah, him once. He was a very nice. I asked him once why he was called a pit bull of comedy, and he refused to answer me. This guy, terrific sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, years ago we had a we were in a we with me at the time, Sheldon. Maybe uh, a few years ago. Well, many years ago, we were in uh, in the bar, and um, and and the table behind us there was a woman and a kid sitting at the table behind us. Do you remember this, Sheldon? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to. Uh, and then, and then it, the, I think it was the first or second year that we were at the uh, at the uh, what you call it. Well, now it's known as DoubleTree. Yeah. Uh, but I think they they just moved down. They just moved to the new venue. There was a woman. A year or two years. There yeah, was a woman and yeah. kids sitting at the table next to us, the butters, and uh, they leaned over and uh, she leaned over and she said, "Hey, are you guys like uh, comedians?" And I said, "No, we're radio people." She's like, oh, cool. And then they joined us at the table, her and her son. Her son was maybe 12, 13 at the time. Evan. Yeah. And um, Where and were they from? I forget where from they Florida, were from. They from Florida. From Miami, okay. Florida. And they came up every year to the Just for Last Festival, and they sat with us at the bar, that, that uh, thing, and Evan went and interviewed Bobby Slayton. And it was a great interview because Bobby was so nice to this 13-year-old kid. It was his first time ever interviewing anybody. And Bobby Slayton was just so nice to him. He sat there and he talked to him and they, they schmoozed. He introduced other comedians. <laughs> he, he, he got to meet more comedians than I did that year, Evan. Mm. And then Evan came back every year and every year he did more stuff for us. As he came back, he, he sat with us at the table and he would do more stuff for us. So as Mark was trying to interview people with his um, dollar store microphone, Evan would... Um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Evan was... Uh, Evan was interviewing people with a tape recorder or a, or a digital oh. recorder. Um, so, so yeah, we, we've done a lot. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun covering the Just for Last Festival. Hopefully this year we'll be back. I mean, if they do a live festival, we'll be back at the festival this year. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I really hope it really works out because, boy, that would be such such a kick, uh, you know, kick kickstart back for the Montreal tourism scene and for us to get back downtown. I haven't, been, I don't know about you, but when was the last time you were downtown? I haven't been downtown in about a year. I, I never liked going downtown to start with. So, I mean, I don't really miss downtown. So I haven't okay. gone downtown at all, at all, at all, at all. Um, the only time I ever went downtown was to, uh, to just for last festival, or if there was uh, something I really had to do, I'd, I'd go downtown to do it. But yeah. Sometimes we go down for the press conferences or we go down for the yeah. ja the jazz festival. The That's where I go downtown the most is during the festival because we go down every day. So it's, right. uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really hope this year will, it would be really nice if we can hopefully keep our fingers crossed. That's all we could say. Well, if COVID allows it, it will happen. Yes, sir. That's the way it works, right? COVID makes the decision. Or at least, the, to that. at least the Quebec government makes the decision. Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm hoping that they'll decide to uh, to ease up on us a little bit and allow us to get back to some kind of normalcy. This is what um, this is what I'm hoping. You and me both. You and me both, buddy. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, Sheldon, we're, we're, we're out of time. time. Yes, sir. I want to thank you so much for joining me. I it's want to, always a pleasure. I want to apologize to the um, to the audience for the technical problems we had this show. It happens occasionally. Doesn't happen often anymore. It used to happen a lot more often. Doesn't happen often anymore, but when it happens, it's annoying. So I apologize. The live stream um, on the just on the uh, True Talk Radio app wasn't working tonight. 
So uh, this show was not live streamed on the app, so I apologize for that, for anyone who had to rush to their computer to come and listen to us. Um, I'm sorry for that. The app is playing something totally unrelated to uh, to the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it started right at the beginning of the show. We had a technical problem right at the beginning of the show. That's why we started a little bit late. And uh, And, I mean, that's generally the rule of thumb, right? If it starts off bad, it continues bad. So, so Sheldon bouncing in and out with uh, with with these um, with these digital these digital hiccups, uh, the, the the screen freezing every now and then, and uh, and all the other all the other problems we've had tonight, it's just par for the course here on the Howie Silver Show, and loving it. Oh yeah, but I'm sure the listeners still had a blast because they do enjoy the content of True Talk Radio. So, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to fix these technical problems. We won't have them again next show. Uh, okay. I want to tell you that on Tuesday I will not be doing a show, and uh, there is no show next Sunday. It is Passover, uh, so um, we're going to take the week off, and then we'll be back uh, in two weeks. Healthy and happy Passover to you and the Shema and your family and all the very, very best, Howie. All the best. Thank you. To you and your family too, Sheldon, and to everybody Thank watching. You. Have a very happy Easter, happy Passover, uh, um, Ramadan. You know, uh, enjoy everything that you can. And yeah. and the weather's getting nice, so enjoy that too. Absolutely. And uh, go get vaccinated. Don't even yes. think about it. Just go and do it. Yeah. All right. We'll Take care, you. everybody. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network.